The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. I got Carrie Waddell here. Carrie, I'm blasting this music. You ever heard this song before, Carrie? Mm, doesn't ring a bell. No. Do you have enough rain this week? No, I didn't think it was that bad. It's not as bad as I expected. I loved it because I didn't have to water my flowers. So yeah, and yeah, it save some time. In the <laughs> yeah, but hopefully we'll get some sunshine this weekend, right? Yeah, it's sure humid. This is a, this is a group there out of uh, England, Carrie. They're pretty popular. Do you don't recognize the voice? So. I'm gonna. I would guess, but then I don't want to sound like. I wonder if any malicious millennials in the studio have ever heard this song before. I've never heard of it. What is the name of the song? Rain. Oh. The, there's a group came out of Liverpool. Is that? Is that I was gonna say. I was gonna guess that Beatles. <laughs> Very good. Kara. But I was like, I'm gonna say the Beatles, and it's gonna be some other band. So. You know, what's the biggest fear this summer, Carrie? Mm, cicadas, inflation. What else? We were just talking about cicadas. Um, <laughs> inflation. Inflation. Let's get started our government. There. I think our we government can, is a huge fear. It, it, it is. It's, it's a toss-up between the cicadas <laughs> and inflation, I think. I was going to say, I don't know. I think our government is going to take the lead. Our politicians scare me more than... So, Consumer Price Index came out. Right. And no surprise, you know, it's... The, 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 the headline number was the highest inflation in a long, long time, right? Up 5% year over year. But again, that wasn't a really surprise to the, uh, a lot of the economists, including Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, because they were expecting that when you look a year over year, right? Mm-hmm. Because last year, of course, everything was shut down. So you're comparing... <laughs> No spending, right? You know, and then so it the numbers look shocking year over year, but that doesn't necessarily mean that hyperinflation is with us now. And that's what, uh, but there's a lot of headlines. And I think, Carrie, that inflation is actually being politicized. Hmm. I said everything I think is being politicized. Right. And I think the, the right is going to try to scare everyone that inflation is going to ruin your lives if you don't vote for Republicans well, next I, election. Well, I think the Democrats may ruin your lives maybe in a different way, but right. I don't think it's inflation. But it is a problem for the Democrats, you know, because right. what I've been saying is if this Biden inflation is not transitory, then the Biden administration may be. Okay. But what did Jerome Powell say back, not this week, what did he say back in February? I'll take those uh, one at a time. Um, on inflation, um, let me say that uh, we do expect that um, as the couple of things. Well, first, as the very low readings of last March and April drop out of the 12-month calculation as we move forward this year, we expect readings on inflation to move up. That's called base effects. That'll be a temporary effect. and. and it won't really signal anything. More importantly, though, with all the factors we've been discussing, uh, you could see spending pick up pretty substantially in the second half of the year. Which we're going into. Of course, but it could also put upward pressure on prices. And I would just say uh, that um, essentially uh, it's 
not it doesn't seem likely that that would result in very large increases or that they would be persistent. We've all been living in a world for a quarter of a century and more where all of the pressures were disinflationary, you know, pushing downward on inflation. We've averaged less than 2% inflation for more than the last 25 years. Inflation dynamics do change over time, but they don't change on a dime. And so we don't really think how, see how a burst of, of, uh, of fiscal support or, or spending uh, that's not, that doesn't last for many years would actually change those inflation dynamics. I, I will. Okay, so, so, there, so that's what his was saying last February. And sure enough, that's what we're happening now. We're seeing the inflation, but yet we're still seeing the government talking about stimulus spending. And we still keep hearing the Fed officials, the central bankers, saying we're not worried about inflation. We're still saying it's transitory. But yet there's a lot of political headlines. There's a lot of people that think it's not transitory. I mean, and honestly, hopefully it's not, but we don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things that have gone on that right. we never thought would happen. Yeah, you sound like, uh, you know, George Bernard Shaw, you know, the great Irish playwright. What was, right. this, what was this one comedy, there was one statement, it was like, if you laid all the economists end to end, they would, uh, they still wouldn't reach a uh, conclusion. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you've got these mixed economics, you know, experts saying it's transitory inflation. And not only economics, it's it's Wall Street, it's... But I think what the politicians have done is made it a Republican-Democratic battle. Right, which, you know, and, more, and, you think more now than ever we need people to come together, we need less divisiveness, right. and we're not getting it. But I think it, regardless of that, it always comes down to what am I worried about and should I be worried and how is it going to affect my spending? How is it going to affect my retirement date or my future financial plans? Right. So we heard from Janet Yellen. Uh, Treasury Secretary, former Fed chair. And her comment this week was, when I took office, one of my greatest concerns was a K-shaped recovery from the pandemic, a recovery where high-income households rebounded quickly or even emerged better off, while low- and middle-income families suffered for a very long time. We can be confident now that that's not going to happen. Well, isn't this interesting? Thanks to part to your support of the fiscal stimulus in the American Rescue Plan, said Yellen. Okay, so she is saying that because of the stimulus spending, that we are going to not have a K-shaped recovery. All, everyone is going to be raised up. See, that's what they're not trying to repeat from the previous two recessions, especially in the Great Recession of 2008-2009. The fact that 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 jobless recovery, right? The the idea was go big, go quick. Don't worry if, if inflation, which is Jerome Powell said, has been under 2% for decades. Don't worry if it floats above 2% because if you're 25 years under 2, 2.5% and you're a, a year or two at 3 to 3.5%, the averaging is still way, is still at the 2% target. Right. In other words, it, it doesn't change on a dime. There is nothing that's fundamentally saying that you know what we had before the Rona shutdown isn't going to come back. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, now, but what about all the people that say baloney? Uh, gas prices are up. Uh, used cars are up. Uh, the grocery my grocery bill is up, mm-hmm. and the sky's falling. Okay. Well, uh, well, we can look at some um, models. You know, of course, we always say on this show that all models are wrong, Carrie, right? Right. But some could be useful. Um, and there was a there was an individual who looked at three different models. Um, one, you know, that's put out by the University of Michigan, which you know, a big economic you know think tank, right? One by someone called the break-even inflation rate, and and one by the Cleveland Fed. Okay, our own our own here, right here, our own Cleveland Fed has a great economic model, and what the, and of those, the uh, what did they say? So uh, you know, and and what he found, what the author found was that the Cleveland Fed historically has been the most accurate, looking huh. in the rearview mirror. So he likes that one more than the others. And the, the one uh, that, you know, that's got the best record. So what is the Cleveland Fed forecasting inflation over the next five years, Carrie? They're saying it'll average about 1.48% annualized. 
Okay. Okay. Well, now, that's not terrible. Well, I mean, it's it's not exactly hyperinflation. That's what I'm saying. It's not like double right? digit that people are worried about. Um. Now. What did the University of Michigan say? They were the ones that were predicting the highest five-year annualized going forward, right? So this is the let's say the worst case scenario, not the but I mean the worst prediction of the three. They're saying over the five years, oh, about three point three percent. Okay, mm-hmm. and then the one in the middle um, came in at about two and a half percent. So that's still not double digit. Well, see, not even close to double digit. That's what I'm saying. I don't I mean, think I'd start panicking. Well, you know, but there, if you so 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 the point is, um, you know, do do you get caught up in the headlines? Do you get caught up in the polarization? You know, because again, the right would love to use the inflation threat to discourage, you know, and ruin the Democrats' election possibility right which i think they just need to focus on the socialism part of it and 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 yet or you know unless you know someone's trying to sell gold then you know then they'll talk a lot about inflation as well if if somebody's trying to sell you gold so those are typically you know i don't know if 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 you put more credence in those issues or those predictions as opposed to the people that are actually running the central banks and, you know, you have to make your own decision. But here's the point. What we do at the estate planning team for our clients is we can model in whatever inflation rates you want to use. Okay. Now, currently, Carrie, of course, we've been running for daily living expenses. We've been using either three or three and a half percent. Some people, we actually have clients because they're worried we use four. Right. And then for now, now typically in one of our plans, we may be using two or three different inflation rates depending on the characteristic of the expense. Right. That we get to that that's you know that that specific because we think that's more real. You know, to to say that every single one of your expenses in retirement is going up at exactly the same rate of inflation is not really realistic. Now Mm -hmm. you may be okay ballparking it that way. And that's like the 10 minute retirement right. plan, you know, 4% rule or whatever. But if you really are worried about this, then maybe you are really ought to spend more than 10 minutes on your retirement plan. And I think the more detail you get in and using these realistic assumptions, you're more comfortable making that decision, whether it's finally retiring or spending like you want, or maybe you'd like to do things, but you're afraid to because you don't know the long-term effect. Right. So we may be using, for example, 5% inflation on perhaps health insurance or okay. you know medical costs, or maybe if you're still saving for college education for either children and or grandchildren. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, we may be using zero inflation for other expenses. And you're saying, Mark, what doesn't go up at zero? What what does it go up at all? Well, how about your fixed mortgage? Does that go up with inflation? Right. I don't think so. All right. Um, you know, or how about a purely discretionary expense where the amount is just a budget for discretionary? You could use travel or any hobby. But the idea is saying, OK, I'm going to budget ten thousand dollars a year for my travel and hobbies. Mm hmm. All right. Well, if inflation goes up, you may say, I, I, I have to spend, I'm not going to increase, you, know, you don't have to increase your hobby budget. Right. You might just have to buy a little bit less that year. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you are cutting it out completely. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to pay the higher prices. Um, so, so some discretionary spending, you could run either run at inflation or not. And then again, you you could decide you know some daily expenses you're you're going to use the lower end three percent maybe some you're going to use the higher end three and a half percent but it, it, but whether or not you know we're going to have hyperinflation and I'm really use that term <laughs> I don't think we're going to have hyperinflation right but what is what does hyperinflation mean to you does it mean five percent inflation does it mean six percent inflation that's double these predictions. But you know what? If you're concerned about it, we can run a plan showing you a five or six percent day to day living expenses. And maybe it's not forever. Maybe it's for a couple of years. 
leveling off, we can manipulate that. And you're actually listening to Financial Food for Thought this morning. We got right into the topic. Um, we're here every Saturday morning, 1420, between 9 and 10. We're an educational talk program here to give you issues that impact your financial life, which is true if you're working or you're someone who's already in their retirement years. And we're sponsored by the estate planning team. The estate planning team is an Ohio Register affordable fee-based fiduciary planning firm that does financial modeling and number crunching and helping people analyze financial decisions and give people clarity on steps and strategies they should be using, whether it's in preparing for retirement and designing their ideal retirement date and translating to that potential realistic retirement dates, or somebody who's in retirement. Um, a lot of people don't know when wages end, how do I, cre- and I don't have that pension. When do I take social security or do I de- delay social security and how do I create the income? Income I need as tax efficiently as possible because if we put um, create that income tax efficiently, it puts more dollars in your pocket to use for yourself during your lifetime or your family or whatever is important to you. The estate planning team offers a free consultation, which we're doing those happily in person or by phone, whichever you prefer and more comfortable you're more comfortable with. If you actually provide us information, we'll do some preliminary analysis um, to show you potential problems, talk about things you're worried about and opportunities that might exist in your case. And you want to make sure that you're using opportunities in this complicated tax code and avoiding potential problems that you may not even be aware of. And we offer both hourly and comprehensive retainer fees. And we only recommend our services if you're someone who can benefit. You can check out our ratings at Angie's List, Google, or the Better Business Bureau. You can give us a call if you want a free consultation at 440-239-2090. That's 440 440- Two three nine twenty ninety, or visit financialfoodforthought.com. So, Carrie, you said maybe the biggest fear this summer is the cicadas. For some so, people. Did you see the, 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 the driver in Cincinnati? Did you hear about him? Yeah. He, 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 was, he, he just crashed his car into a, in a telephone pole. So basically what he said was he had the window open, a cicada came in, flew right in his face, he freaked out, lost control of the vehicle, and it landed in a uh, telephone pole. I'm sorry. I think they're, I, like I said, they don't sting. They don't bite. But a lot of people are afraid. And, people are eating them. And he had the proof. The, the cicada was squashed on the floorboard. <laughs> he didn't make that. He, did, he didn't he survive. Overreacted maybe he just didn't survive. The, the brood X, Gary, they're here. You know, um, but and they're not really that bad in our area. They're actually, further they're, south. Actually, the cicadas are doing their best to quash the fake news, Carrie. You, you hear the White House press charter plane, right? Uh-huh. Couldn't leave. Because the the, uh, the the insects, you know, were swarm? Uh, invaded exterior sections of the plane late mm. Tuesday afternoon. You wonder if that's a sign. Um, six and a half hours they were mm. they were. Um, Maybe that's a sign. But the best, you know, and 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 now, but the best, the QAnon conspiracy about cicadas. Did you hear this, Carrie? No, I did not. I, do you know? I, I do I, now. I don't know what QAnon is. I don't really understand. Like, I mean, it's as confusing to me as Bitcoin, quite I, frankly. Yeah. Um, or build back better. They're all confusing to me. But apparently, President Biden had a cicada incident. <laughs> and it was when he was going to get ready to get on, you know, Air Force One. And he was swatting, he was seen swatting his neck. And then he made a comment to the reporters there that. You know, you know, watch out for the cicadas. You know, uh, I got one. I just got one. It got me. So it was it was caught on the press films, right? So now QAnon saying that was a comms. Do you know what a comms is, Carrie? With the no. QAnon? No. Okay, a comms is their, like, secret language that says if something, like if a politician or somebody in the news says something publicly that's, you know, being recorded... It's really a comment from Q, the Q. Uh, okay. Not that we don't know who the Q is, but he's uh, the, the Q. Okay. So, there because Trump, there used to be a lot of comms, you know, right. when, when Trump, you know, was around. But now Trump's not around, obviously. So now apparently the QAnon followers believe that Biden's cicada comment was a comm. Okay, and and see see what the what the what the what the conspiracy 
group believes, you know, anything related to 17 is subject to being a comm. So we know the cicadas come out how often? Every 17 years. Okay. And why is 17 important? Because Q, of course, is the... 17th letter. There you go. I think people can read into way too much. All right. So what else are we going to talk about this week here? I'm going to continue the 50-30-20 strategy. You know, the best financial advice that you may want to give your college grads. Mm -hmm. Started that last week. You can always go back and listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to pick up on that this week as well. But before getting to that, I wanted to talk, you know, I always spend a little bit of time around each quarterly estimated due date for income taxes. So if you are making quarterly uh, income tax payments, don't look now, but the second one is due Tuesday, Mm -hmm. the 15th. And we we try to we've been talking. I <laughs> I could talk for five hours on estimated income taxes. Oh, I'm sure you could. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could talk about five hours about cicadas as well, right? right? But no, the uh, the idea is over the decades that we've been helping clients build financial plans, we've come to the realization that people going into retirement do not really have a good working knowledge of what estimated taxes is all about. Now, and partly is because up until the time they're going to retirement, they've not had to worry about it because in normally, not all cases, you know, generally though, you have enough withholding going on from your pay checks that you're not making quarterly estimates. Correct. Now, that's not the case for everybody. I get that, mm-hmm. especially if you're self-employed, obviously, right, where you don't have W-2 withholding going on. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, and the payroll departments, carry do a darn good job with right. withholding. That's why it's not a bigger problem than what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, there's been you know problems, of course, but that's usually when there's been a change in the person's life during the year where the withholding got rearranged improperly, let's say. And, of course, everybody's familiar with the W-4 form that you're supposed to fill out and give to your employer to make sure that they are you know doing the right amount of withholding or at least the one right. you think. So a lot of coordination, you know, has to take place between you and and your tax preparer and your payroll department, you know, if you want to get it done correctly. And what do we mean by getting it done correctly? Well, we're not big proponents of getting big refunds every mm-hmm. year. You know, where you're giving an interest-free loan to the government. Um, as a matter of fact, we prefer that our clients actually owe money on April 15th, as long as, you know, they don't you owe too owe, much. Or, yeah, you don't want to owe with penalty. Right. You, you don't want to be charged an underestimated tax. Let penalty. your money work for you. So what are so that's where we start talking about those rules, right? And it, when we say that it's okay to owe money on April 15th, as long as you don't owe too much, well, what do we mean by that? Well, this gets into the concept of what we call safe harbors. Okay, it's it's a term that's used to describe that idea that in our internal revenue code, there is protection or relief that you will not be charged an underestimated penalty if you, in good faith, tried to pay in what you thought you were going to owe and you missed it. Mm-hmm. Well, so there's two safe harbors, basically. One is called the previous year safe harbor. One is called the the current year safe harbor. And by the way, you don't have to tell the government which one you're using. And also, the one you used last year might not be the one you use this year. Or might not be the one you use next year. Every year stands alone when it comes to tax planning mm-hmm. or estimated tax planning. Now, the previous year safe harbor, that's pretty straightforward. It just simply says, as long as you've got 100% of your previous year's tax paid in timely, now that's mm-hmm. important, paid in timely, you're covered under the previous year safe harbor. Okay. Now, there's one caveat to that rule, is that in the previous year, your adjusted gross income was in excess of $150,000, 
you are required to bump up the 100% of the previous year to 110% of the previous year. Ohio just has the 100% rule. All right. Um, Now, so generally we say that if you think that this year's income tax is going to be as much or more than last year's income tax, you might just want to go with the previous year safe harbor. Because there are no surprises if you're using the previous year safe harbor. It's a known number. Mm-hmm. And you can just look at it and say, that's the bogey I need to reach. How am I going to do that? Am I going to do it through withholding? Or am I going to make quarterly estimates or use a combination of both? Okay. All right. Now, again, timely, though, is where the quarterly estimates differ from withholding. Because the benefit of withholding is as long as it's withheld by December 31st of the year, the government treats it as coming in evenly throughout the whole year. Okay. So it's not the way they do quarterly estimates. The quarterly estimates are timed. It's very you know simple for the government to keep track of those because you're sending them uh, uh, either electronically or in the old-fashioned snail mail. You're sending them a coupon with a, uh, with a check or a payment, and it's all dated. And so it's very easy for them to track that. All right? So you know the, the idea is if you were you know just trying to cover your previous year safe harbor and you were going to do it with four quarterly estimates, you know, the due dates of April 15th, June 15th, September 15th, and January 15th, you can't carry just blow off the first three quarters and then just send them a big check on the fourth quarter. That will not be considered timely. As opposed to if you are going to do withholding, and you realize that the withholding that was done for the first 11 months of the year is running a little bit short right? than the 100% previous year save robber you're trying to hit, you bump up the withholding in the fourth quarter. Right. As long as the withholding by the end of the year, you're good. So that's why, you know, some people. Now, but what happens, Carrie, if the taxpayer is saying, oh, listen, Mark, I, I know for sure my tax this year is going to be lower than last year. Why? Well, because I retired. Right. And so I'm not going to have those wages. Or I had a big capital gain last year or whatever the reason. Mm -hmm. I just know for sure that this year's tax is going to be a lot lower than last year. So why pay an estimated payment and just wait for a refund? Right. Well, that seems unfair. The government makes me pay 100 or 100% of last year when I know my taxes aren't going to be that high. But people do that because it's the easiest thing. And then... A lot of times that hurts their cash flow needs because they have to raise the money to pay those estimated. But you don't have to. That's why there's the second safe harbor, which is the current year safe harbor. Which is not as easy because you're estimating what's hitting your tax return. Now you've got to, you know, guesstimate what every line item of that tax return is going to be and try to say, this is what I think my tax liability is going to be. And, of course, a lot of people say, well, Mark, how am I supposed to get that? That's tough. Well, you don't have to hit it exactly. So on the current year safe harbor, the government gives you a little buffer. Mm -hmm. And the rule is as long as you've got at least 90% of your actual tax liability paid in for the year, timely, you're good. Okay. And we won't penalize you for being underestimated. All right. Um, Now, there is also a third offshoot method, Carrie, which is called the annualization method. Now, this is really getting into the weeds, but there are are some taxpayers who say, well, look at, I was on the current year safe harbor and I was making quarterly estimates, but I didn't realize that in the fourth quarter I was going to win the Vaximillion. Okay. All right. Um, So now, you know, what do I do? Well, under the annualization method, and this is, there's a form 2210 and, you know, you want to probably get your, your tax preparer to help you with this or your robot where you actually try to break down your income on a quarterly basis. How much income was earned in the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, how much taxes were paid in the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. And if you can annualize it and prove that, yeah, the reason that, yeah, you had this extra income that didn't hit to the fourth quarter in my example, right. but you got caught up on the fourth quarter estimate, you may still be okay. Okay. Um, now, the other thing, too, about the idea of 
trying to guess how much you owe. And that's, by the way, why the fourth quarter isn't really due until January 15th. Because if you're on a current year safe harbor, that gives you some time to look at your December 31st values, mm-hmm. numbers. You know, you try to get exactly what was my taxable income. And then they give, and you have a couple of weeks to work with actual year-end data if you're trying to, you know, work on a current year safe harbor. Um, but the problem is, you know, withholding has to be done by December 31st. Now, when I say that we're okay with our clients, or we rather prefer our clients owing on April 15th, instead of getting a big refund, waiting around for a big refund on April 15th. But the idea is we also don't want to make it that it's a surprise for them. Right. So even though we're saying, yeah, we're okay if you owe on April 15th, it's not okay if you don't know that bill's coming. That's what good planning's all about. Right. It's the idea of saying, yeah, I know I'm, I've, I've got a tax liability coming on April 15th. And we have an idea of how much it's going to be. And how much my tax reserve, we used to call that in the corporate world. Right, or right? how much I'm going to anticipate because you don't want to have to do something that's going to create more taxes on the next year's return just to raise money to pay your tax bill. Now, so you working with these so 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 you, you get the idea that we're very active planners at the estate planning team because what i can tell you is the robots generally will put you on a previous year safe harbor so if you're using a robot to do your tax return and you know you're filling out the schedules and right. on, you know on whether you're using it online or you're doing at home on your home computer and even professionals even if you're using a professional a lot of times even the professional doesn't know on you know in April what you what's going to really happen in your tax year during the year right it's very very early so a lot of times the default of pretty much all the software that I've seen is that the default program, because professionals use robots too. Right. You know, I don't think too many professionals are doing your returns by pencil and paper anymore. That it's just defaults to the previous year safe harbor. You would have to go back in and tell the robot, hey, I don't want to use the previous year safe harbor. Now, the, 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 the logic will be there in the program, but if you don't do that, you're going to get spit out the, the previous year safe harbor. And here's the other thing that we have found over the decades is that not only is that the default, but also another default that the robots is it's going to assume that whatever withholding that you had done in the previous year will be the exact same amount of withholding that you'll have done this year. Which often is not correct. It's often a bad assumption, especially in the year following the Rona. Mm-hmm. All right. Because last year, as you recall, the government suspended required minimum distributions. Mm-hmm. So a lot of you out there did not, when you didn't have to take money out of the IRA, you didn't. But a lot of you out there, even smarter than that, said, well, Mark, I don't have to take money out of my IRA because the required minimum was suspended. I'm okay on cash flow, but I've got some room on my tax return. I'm going to do a Roth conversion. Mm-hmm. All right. And by the way, I've always heard that if you're doing Roth conversions, you don't want to do withholding on your Roth conversions because that kind of washes out some of the benefit of doing it. Right. So last year, many taxpayers did that maneuver where normally they would be doing withholding on their required minimum, therefore not doing quarterly estimates. Right. Because you can't convert your required minimum to Roth IRA anyways. But last year you could. There, well, there last was no year RMD. because there was no RMD. But if you were smart, you said, I don't want to do withholding on my Roth conversions. I'll just make the quarterly estimates. And then, you know, we'll be okay. And that's the best tax efficient. I'm going to do a Roth conversion with no withholding. I'll just make the quarterly estimates. Well, so if you're picking up this year, if your robot's picking up that information this year, it may assume 
that you are going to have no withholding again. And so it might have kicked out quarterly coupons. And you're saying, well, wait a second. It's a different year this year. I don't know if it's going to, I don't know if I want to pay 110% of the previous year or 100% of the previous year. I may want to go into current year, Safe Harbor. So how do I have to adjust my quarterly estimates? And, 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 and then you say, well, wait a second. I'm back to an RMD this year. I'm back to normal. I'm going to do my RMD. I'm just going to do the withholding on that. As a matter of fact, I don't even want to, you know, deal with those silly coupons every quarter. Mm-hmm. And sending checks and making copies and putting postage on. I'm just, I'll just do the withholding at the end of the year and, and everything is good. That back to normal. So, but this is where I've, you know, we've had a lot of conversations with our clients about, you know, just, you know, if, if maybe you don't need to make that quarterly estimate. If you're back to normal and saying, yeah, you're just going to do your RMDs maybe at the end of the year. And just make a withholding election and be done with it. And by the way, the other benefit of that is if you're on the fence, not knowing even, you know, certainly by April 15th, your return might have not even been done by April 15th. Even the first quarter estimate was right. Um, You know, and the the idea that you're saying I even on June 15th, I don't know exactly whether I want to be on a current year safe harbor or a previous year safe harbor. Well, by de- delaying the and saying I'm not, I, I've got enough RMD or, or I can adjust my payroll withholding mm-hmm. in the second half of the year. As I get closer to the end of the year, I'll have a better idea. I'll have more data to determine whether I want to definitely go with the previous year safe harbor or go on jump on a current year safe harbor. And then in the remaining paychecks, I'll adjust my withholding or on my when I take my RMD out at the end of the year, I'll adjust my withholding. But now I'll be adjusting to what I really want to do, whether that's the previous year safe harbor or the current year safe harbor. So if, if you're not at that level of estimated tax planning, or if you're just tired of waiting around to get your refund checks, then maybe this type of strategy would work better for you. Right. And if you want help with these issues and cash flow planning, or you're retired, or you're working and saying, when, when can I realistically afford to retire? Based on the lifestyle parameters, maybe you're just tired of working and want to work part-time or don't mind doing that if that's what it, the price tag of your retirement lifestyle. We can help model in those. Remember, we're an Ohio-registered affordable fiduciary. We offer a free consultation. We're not investment advisors. Our clients either do that on their own or they work already with an outside advisor, but we look at your assets in terms of risk, growth, and tax efficiency. So if you want to learn more, you can check out our website at financialfoodforthought.com. That's financialfoodforthought.com, or give us a call at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. And this is Mark Donnelly and Kara Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And over those 35 years, Obviously, we've certainly talked a lot about how to plan out estimated taxes in retirement. And what you were doing while you were working may not be a good strategy to do when you're in retirement. And the idea that more importantly than that is that what you did last year may not be what you want to do this year and may not be what you want to do next year. And that's where good active planning can help you, especially if you're worried about inflation well, holding on to the money longer for you is maybe better than giving it to the government early or giving it to the government and getting it back later with no interest. So let's be smart about our cash flow. Let's be smart. Let's use in a very complicated tax code. Let's look for opportunities that can help you. And inflation. Well, Carrie, the, the only thing I... We'll see. The other reason why I played in the beginning of the show that clip from... Rain? <laughs> the rain song? You want to hear the rain song again? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> from, I, the, from that uh, famous that, band? That group out of the... That group? England? Rock yeah. band? Yeah. They were called the Beatles. Yeah. They yeah. were pretty popular. Um, no. Kind of I, appropriate. Maybe you picked the Beatles because of cicadas, the bug theme. Th- there we go. Sticking with the Beatles. Way to go but, to keep like multiple themes. Um, yeah. 
the cicadas was was the yeah the the group that didn't make it out of Liverpool, because um, they only came out with a new song every seventeen years. Yeah. Period. Okay. The when I played no, the the clip from Fed Chair Powell back in February, so I'm also going to be very interested because there's Fed meetings this week, so there's going to be a lot of ears listening to what Fed Chair Powell says this week. And what you want to be listening to, is he changing his tune at this point? Is he backing off on what he was saying that we're completely not worried about inflation and we're not even thinking about thinking about raising interest rates and or tapering is the official term for that? Well, that's what I'm going to be listening for. Because we'll see what type of message he sends. Because one of the things that the Federal Reserve, the, the, under the current regime, so to speak, is that they are going to be more upfront. You know, they don't. Remember, we had that, <laughs> that taper tantrum a few right. years ago after the 2008 2009 recession. They don't want to repeat that. Mm-hmm. They don't want to see a volatile reaction in the stock market once. They, uh, you know, let people know, oh, well, we're starting to taper. We're starting to, you know, you know, and and now the other thing that he said back in February, which was key, was he said, if if the inflation does become a problem, meaning it's no longer transitory. Right. You always say inflation is transitory. Carry until when? It's not. It's not. All right. Um, That they have tools available to them and they will act. So 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 keep your you know ears open and and maybe we'll be talking about that next week. Um, all right, what's okay? The fifty thirty twenty, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so we always say that the, some of these general financial planning tool rules, right? Mm-hmm. We always say you know the fifty thirty twenty is kind of the rule that gets you to retirement, and then maybe the four percent rule is what gets you to the grave. Okay, and the the idea of get the quicker you can get started using these tools, the better. You know, the time value of money, right? Mm-hmm. The compounding interest, right? And a lot of people, you know, are concerned about how the millennials now that are ones that are graduating from college, how is their economic future going to look like, right? Well, just a couple of background on that. So the college grad outlook looks promising, they say, for the class of 21. Employers project hiring 7 to, uh, 7.2% more new college graduates than from, you know, um, than they did from the class of 2020, you know, which was the Rona shutdown year. Right? Mm-hmm. So, again, that's good news. And. A couple other tips um, that, that, you know, tax matters, you know, it's tax matters. So one thing is carried about this withholding thing, right? Um, if you don't want, you know, to have your college grad, let's say your college grad isn't really going to start working, let's say, until July or August. Okay. All right. And they're filling out the W-4 form for the first time in the world. Right. right? Um, well, the the problem sometimes there, you know, when I say there's sometimes there's problems, is that the payroll department just assume that depending on how they felt W-4, it's going to it's going to do a withholding based on a table as if they were working for 12 months. OK. And the fact of the matter, they're not working for 12 months. So they're going to wind up getting a big refund. Right. Which, OK. But if you'd want to prevent that, you could. You know, so here's a tip out of the uh, tax letters. Um Use part part year withholding to boost your paycheck and have less tax withheld. So the standard federal tax withholding tables assume you'll earn a full year's income when figuring how much your income tax to take out. The part year method is for people who work 245 days or fewer in a year and sets withholding according to what you earn during the part of the year that part of the year that you're on the job. Ask for your yeah, you know your employer to you know and see if they can accommodate that. Um, they also goes on to say many students with summer jobs, so maybe you've got a high school right. or some job, or you know, can escape federal income tax withholding from their checks if they owed no income tax for 2020 and don't expect to owe for 2021. Just write exempt below step 4C of the W-4 and fill out steps 1A, 1B, and 5. Okay. So you know, if again, if you want to be active, 
All right. Um, and, you know, you, you, you'd rather have and, you know, you'd rather if, if so instead of your high schooler or college grad waiting around for a big refund, maybe if you can get that money into them or maybe they could take instead of sending that money to the government and not doing anything with it, maybe they could be putting that extra cash flow in a Roth IRA mm-hmm. or their 401k. Pay a bill. You know, there you go. Pay down their credit card. Student mm-hmm. loan debt. Um, so, you know, so there's a couple of tips, too, that you can follow. Um, so last week we went over and, and again, showed how the 50-30-20 plan works. I'm not going to repeat all that. Right. And you can go to the website and listen to last weekend's podcast to get the details on the breakdown of that. Right. But I said, you know, what happens, you know, but 20% in, in the 50-30-20 just basically is that you save what well, of your pay, your gross pay, 50% goes to your mandatory living expenses. Mm-hmm. 30% goes to more discretionary type spending, you know, travel, going out to eat, you know, hobbies, mm-hmm. things like that. But you save 20%. Okay. But it's very, very difficult to save 20%. You know, because that's the, right. the, because the psychologists tell us we're human. Mm-hmm. And, and we have, you know, lifestyle creep, they call it, meaning that right. as we get more money, we like to spend more money. Right. And we don't get into the habit of putting that 20% aside. It, it doesn't matter. It's it, See, it's relative. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you're making uh, uh, 50000 100000 right. or a million dollars a year. Right. Everybody has the same problem. Right. Right. Um, now, so I said, okay, well... What happens if the 24-year-old, what if they, you know, they, you know, they're saying, well, gee, mom and dad, you know, the housing's really expensive. Okay. And Get a roommate would be my response. <laughs> and, I, you know, maybe I need 55% instead okay. of 50 But the idea is keep telling them 50, 30, 20. Maybe they'll save 15. So would they be okay if they save 15% instead of 20? Okay. Right. And they put that other 5% into mandatory living, housing or whatever. Or in theory, I would say if the 55 is mandatory, they're, maybe they need to cut their discretionary to 25. Carrie, you're not following the plan. <laughs> no, but I'm saying if you're going to cut it from somewhere, cut it from your discretionary. But you think they're going to cut from discretionary or their savings? Mm, I don't know. I would hope discretionary. Would they be okay with the 50%? Mm, I, don't, I don't know. Okay. Well, let's run the numbers. So again, I'm using my example, a $50,000 salary for a 24-year-old. That could be a, a, a single college graduate. That could be a couple working, you know, at you know, minimum wage, two jobs, you know, whatever. We're going to assume a 5% rate of return on investments. And we're going to assume that they want to retire at age 67. Um, okay. And the idea that we're going to assume that their pay goes up at 2% a year. There's that you know, interest rate, right? All right. So are they going to be okay? Well, looking at that, um, so the 50,000, so 55%, you know, it's 27,500 for mandatory living expenses, 30% or 15,000 is for discretionary and 15% savings is 7,500. Okay. Right. So what would the, now let's jump all the way down to, you know, out 44 years, age 67. Right? Okay. Which, you know, they're saying, okay, we're going to retire now and go on and, get, and collect our Social Security. Under the current law, 67 is still would be their full retirement age for Social Security. A lot of people think it won't be in the right. end. But under the current law, it is. Are they going to be okay? Now, what we are saying is, see, by following this plan, is the idea is that as you do get those pay increases, you you only increase your discretionary spending by the two percent, meaning you also increase your, um, you know, your savings is going up. Okay, you know that you're always doing fifteen percent of your savings. Now, if you know, and, and that's where sometimes people get confused, right? Um, but the, the really only time that you don't need to save anymore is if you're always at your 15% savings limit. 
Because then if, if, if you've got more excess cash after you've already got the 15% savings for the year, right? then that, you can spend that. Okay, because you're still keeping on track of 15% of your pay and a rising pay is still okay. being saved. So, so what you're going to, because then the idea is then when you do retire, right, you no longer have to do those savings. Okay. Now you're going to switch over to the 4% distribution rule. Okay. Okay. So basically you're, so now you're saying, okay, I, I, all I have to maintain is what was I, what was my lifestyle? What did I grow my lifestyle between the mandatory living expenses and the discretionary by age 67. Now, can you do that math in your head, Carrie? I told no. you what it was in the first year. No, of course not. We need the robots to do that. So by age 67, their daily living expenses are 64438 and their discretionary spending is $35,000. let us just call it 100000 Okay. So now they've got their lifestyle of 100000 going into retirement. Okay, so can they now? What has their cumulative savings gone to? You know, well now their cumulative savings—that's that five percent compounded growth—are now one point six one eight million. Okay, so their nest egg is one point six million. Now we switch over to the four percent rule. Okay, are they going to be okay? So you take now we're using Benjamin's four percent rule, and we're saying. That 1.6, we're going to start taking out 4% a year, about 66 grand. The balance is going to earn 5%. And uh, they want to spend the last hour on the last day, meaning they want to draw their 1.6 million down to zero by the time 30 years is up. Benjamin used 30 years. Remember, if you don't want to use 30 yeah. years, you got to adjust it. So that's age 97 for them. Is that long enough? Okay. Probably for most people. And by the way, so and every year they've got the inflation protection at a three and a half percent rate. Okay. Using the highest Michigan's, you know, you know, rate. Now, so they also have Social Security. So we ran the Social Security robot. That's going to be about his, you know, assuming that. Um, Primary Social Security is going to be about sixty-four thousand. Secondary is going to be about fifty-one thousand plus a sixty-five thousand first year withdrawal. So they're so as they go into retirement, their budget is one hundred eighty-two thousand dollars. Phew! And what do they say their lifestyle is right now? A hundred. You think that extra eighty-two can help them with the travel? Mm-hmm. Or home maintenance, or or health insurance? Now you're saying, Mark. Well, you know. Five percent is too rosy. Okay, I reran everything based on a four percent rate of return all the way for the while they're working in retirement. Okay, now they can't do the hundred eighty-two carry at a four percent rate of return. They can only do one hundred sixty-one thousand. Okay. Time value of money. All right. Have a good week, everyone. Tune in next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.